The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Above all, in our culture, we are primarily consumers. Everything in the world around us is sold with this central idea that it's all about you, what you want, what you need, what you like, what your habits are. And so we are trained and hardwired to think that the entire world exists to meet our wants and our needs, right? There are, uh, there's analysis done, there are studies done, there's research done to figure out what you want, when you want it, how you want it. There, there's entire research done just to see uh, what smells need to be uh, pumped into a restaurant or into a uh, grocery store, into a store to get you to want to buy more. They do research on what music needs to be played so that you will shop faster or you will hang out more and longer in the store. They, they know what kind of music to play to keep you in a restaurant longer or to get you in and out quicker. The point is, it's all about you. You are centrally a consumer. You're a shopper. And so we approach our entire life this way. We shop in relationships. It's about what I want and what I need and what you have that you can give me. We do this uh, in most of our interactions and, and uh, uh, daily living, we do this in the workplace. I am the shopper, the employer is the salesman, and you have to convince me to give you what I have to offer. And we unfortunately do this even in our faith, the church, and our religion. Yeah, even Christianity is often, too often, twisted into a product to be sold. Here's how it works. What do I get out of worship? What do I like and what am I looking for in a church? Do I like the way that preacher communicates or do I like what that book that 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 Christian author had to say? And too often, preachers make a living convincing their faithful that God exists to meet their needs. God exists to affirm your desires. God wants to validate morally the urges that run through your being. And so people feel good when a preacher or pastor tells them, yes, what you desire is totally okay with God. And so we are consumed with the religion that we're being sold. Preachers go around even convincing people that God would vote for a certain politician that you like. Yup, if God were to walk in the voting booth with you, he would agree with your assessment on the politics of our nation today. And so the overall theme is that God desires whatever you want. His interest is your best interest, meaning whatever you, excites you, whatever makes you feel good, whatever, uh, whatever you want to do, it is God's primary desire to give you just that. In reality, what we're really worshiping and serving is the God in the mirror. We're worshiping ourselves. We've created a God of our own making. We're worshiping the God of our own desires. And where has this gotten us? 
I mean, if, I were to, if we were to evaluate our own lives and say, look at my life right now. I am consumed with consuming. How am I doing? What in fact really begins to happen is because we're convinced that everything and everyone exists to meet our needs. All it does is perpetuates how unhappy we are because we're constantly reminding ourselves of unfulfilled appetites, meaning I have hunger and desires that no one has yet met, and I wanna know why. Why haven't they invented that product? Why haven't they figured out that medical breakthrough? So that I will feel better. We come to the place where we begin to believe that this is all there is. This moment is all there is. My happiness is all there is. This lifetime is all there is. And an author, a guy named Luke, wrote a historical account based on his eyewitness experience and thorough research, the life and teachings of Jesus Christ according to Luke's gospel account. And in his gospel account, he primarily set out to write write for the purpose of sharing this story with people that were kind of newly beginning to hear about the story of Jesus, people that were not familiar with the Jewish faith, meaning Jesus came up from within the Jewish tradition. So he was writing to people that were kind of on the outside looking in, and his mission was this, to express to them that there was this real guy who really lived an extraordinary life, And in his life, he pulled back the veil that this life is not all there is. And that this is, there's actually a thin space between this life and this spiritual life, between the physical and the supernatural. And so Luke sets out, he writes this account, and so we're going to be looking at this as we have been at the early years or the early moments of Jesus' ministry life. So I'm going to bring you to a moment. It's found in Luke chapter 5. Here's the context of the story, all right? Jesus has just started in ministry, but he starts with a bang. He has been preaching and teaching. He's walking the streets. People who are demon-possessed are confronting him, and he's driving out demons. People are dealing with the demons of their past, demons of their fears, people who are dealing with emotional unhealth and mental unhealth. Jesus is healing the sick. He's giving sight to the blind. He even meets this guy named Peter's mother-in-law who died, and he raises her back to life. Right? Jesus is being chased and followed by massive crowds. In fact, you could say the more he gives out, the more people keep following him. And so we're going to get to a moment, Luke chapter 5, where now Jesus is teaching. And while he's teaching, uh, he, he's using the boat of some local fishermen. So he turns his attention from the crowds to this group of fishermen, Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, one of the fishermen, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, for most of us, this is where we would live our lives. This is where we want the story to end. I have a business, and I want God to bless my business. 
I have a fishing company, and I want God to give me instructions so that I catch a lot of fish. I, I'm running a financial company, and I want God to give me the wisdom so that I buy or sell at the right moment, and I make a lot of money. I want God to direct my dating life so that I marry, you know, the person of my dreams. I want God to, and on and on it goes, right? And in this brief moment, God gives them what they've always dreamed of. They get the biggest catch in their business lifetime. But all of the fishermen in this moment, they realize that this is a special moment. This is a thin space. Something else is going on in this moment, and it causes all of them to pause and take note that something else is going on, that this really is not about God blessing their fishing company so that they can make a lot of money. They all pause, and specifically Simon Peter goes, whoa, this is a thin space. This isn't just about us making money. This isn't just about a catch of fish. God is among us. And so let me, let me keep reading. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees. You see that the, the thin space opened up. The, the, the curtain of the veil that separated the, the natural and the supernatural, the physical and the eternal, it, it like opened up and all of their eyes began to be opened that, the, we, that this world is not all there is. It's not all about me. It's not about me being consumed with consuming. There's another realm. There's another dimension. There's another world beyond this world. He says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. See, in an instant, this catch of fish reveals something wrong in his own heart. Peter, you're consumed with consuming. You're living your life all about you. And he's like, whoa. He becomes acutely aware that he's a sinful man. And he says, Jesus, get away from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence. For he and all of his companions, you hear it, were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. Jesus captured their attention by allowing them to have a great catch of fish so that he could capture their heart and their passion. Jesus' miracle moment was not so that he could bless their fishing trip. He allowed them to have a great catch of fish so that he could catch their hearts and redirect their lives. And this matters to us because we see in this something, that, a principle that applies to every one of our lives. Now, let's look at Jesus' response. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, now here, here it is, right? Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Meaning I'm, I'm redirecting your entire life. Good, I'm glad I've caught your attention with a great catch of fish. Now I wanna catch your heart and I am redirecting your entire life. Here's the direction I want you to live with your whole life. I want you to go from catching fish to catching men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. There is a principle that resonates, that jumps off the pages of Holy Scripture that we can apply to every one of our lives. Right now, if you're consumed with consuming, if maybe you've struggled with the kind of life that's all about you, or maybe you, in your heart you think, you know, my life should be bigger than me. 
I want to do something that matters. Maybe there are some of you who are young here and you're, you're just kind of getting started with life and you're like, I want to know that my life is significant, that my life matters. I don't want to spend my whole life trying to climb the ladder of success only to get to the top and discover that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. I don't, and maybe some of you are older and you've, you've spent a lot of your life doing things and you're looking back and you're beginning to question whether they were even worth doing and you're saying, these are some of the last years of my life my life. This is the last stage I have, and I want to make it count. This is where this passage applies to every one of us, and there is a principle that jumps off the pages. I would encourage you to write this down as you take notes in your program. There's a place to take notes in the study guide that we make available to you. There's a place to take notes. Feel free to use a smartphone or a tablet. Do something to write this down. Here's the principle. Every one of us are encouraged and invited the life of Jesus to walk the sacred pathways every day. I'm using the word sacred pathway to describe or to capture the idea of what Jesus said. He goes, I want you to stop trying to spend all your time catching fish. I want you to catch men. And then, and then here's the sacred pathway. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed Jesus. That's the sacred pathway. It's this holy journey, this journey of following God rather than following our own desires. The sacred pathways are the God-ordained way of, the God-ordained way of living where you are living in pursuit of God's best interest rather than your best interest. Sacred pathways are the habits and behaviors of those that are following Christ. Now here, now that sounds awesome, right? The problem is it's impossible to do on your own because every one of us are hardwired to be selfish. The reason why commercials work, the reason why it's so easy for you and I to be marketed to is because it resonates with every one of us. We want to believe that we are the center of the universe. We worship the God in the mirror. We are hardwired instinctively to believe that everything is about me. Why? Because you and I have a drive inside of us, an internal makeup called sin. Sin, a biblical word that authors would use to describe this instinctive nature that you and I have to do what we want when we want it and make our whole life about me. It's sin is that selfish drive inside of us that compels us when God says live this way, we say, nah, I think I'll go that way. Sin, to disregard God and regard our own desires, our own wants, our own needs above anything else, to make ourselves the God of the universe. Sin wrecks things, doesn't it? Our selfishness, this consume with consuming way of living, when I go into a relationship as a shopper, it causes problems, doesn't it? When you go into the workplace as a consumer, it wrecks your workplace environment. And every one of us would agree with that. We say, yep, that's been the outcome of my life. When I spend money as a consumer, consumed with consuming, it wrecks my life. It leaves me in debt. It puts me in over my head. And no matter what I bring home, it never gives me that feeling that I'm looking for never satisfies the deepest longing in my heart. Why? Because sin is self-sabotaging. 
But sin doesn't just wreck relationships and wreck our finances and wreck our, well, our internal well-being. Sin leads to ultimate ruin, not just death, but eternal judgment. Because the consequence for sin is that God must reject us. God must turn his back on people who are filled with and motivated by sin. God leaves us on a trajectory or we're on a, a, a trajectory toward eternal suffering. However, God, unwilling to leave us on that trajectory, intervene through becoming one of us. Jesus Christ enters, he leaves the eternal, and he enters into the temporal. He leaves the, the, um, the heavenly and enters into the earthly, right? God becomes one of us for the express purpose of rescuing us from this self-sabotaging force called sin. Jesus Christ enters into the world. He does signs, wonders, and miracles. He walks among us. He shows us the right way of living, but then he dies willingly on a cross for the express purpose of taking the death sentence that you and I deserve. He takes the eternal judgment that was placed on every one of us as the payment for our sin. He heaps it on himself, and he dies once for all so that through Jesus Christ, our debt of sin is paid in full. The death sentence that we deserve and we would pay through eternal judgment is accomplished. It's paid in full through Jesus' death on the cross so that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ by faith is forgiven of their sins. Their death sentence paid off through the death of Jesus Christ. And when you believe in Jesus Christ by faith, not only are you forgiven of your sins, but you're given new life. How? Because God's eternal invisible spirit, talking about thin spaces, comes and makes his home, not in our physical body, but in our spirit being. And when God's spirit is alive in our spirit, we begin to live our life, not consumed with consuming, but we begin to live our lives as followers of Jesus. We follow a sacred pathway. Now, what does it look like in your life to follow this, the ancient sacred pathways, the pathways that we see in the life of Jesus. And that's what I want to break down now for a few minutes and make it really practical for you. Let me, let me give you the first step in beginning to walk the sacred pathways. So, and I want you to visualize this. I want you to imagine everything about your life, the, the, uh, all, it's all about me life heading in this direction. The sacred pathways are the opposite way. It's the antithesis of a consumed with consuming kind of life. So I want you to put that in your mind. Okay, I need to begin to go in the opposite direction of being consumed with consuming. Well, what is the opposite? What's the sacred pathway of God? The first thing you can write down is this. We must empty ourselves through the thin space of God's purposes. Empty yourself through pursuing the purposes of God. When I look at the life of Jesus, that's exactly what I see in, in this section of Scripture. Let, let me give you a quick snapshot, and I could, we could just kind of systematically walk through it, but here it is. I, I, I open it for you on the front end. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is doing miracles. He's feeding the hungry. He's giving sight to the blind. He raises the dead. He gives hope to the discouraged. He offers new life to those who are living an old kind of life. He is proclaiming the good news that God's kingdom has come near. He is offering uh, to a mother-in-law who has died 
physical life. He had just, he just came from driving demons out of people who are dealing with spiritual beings occupying their physical bodies, and Jesus cast them out. Talk about a hard day's work. I don't know about you, but that just sounds exhausting even to hear about it. And and this whole crowd is surrounding Jesus. He's worn out, and and they come to him. And and this is what it says in in Luke chapter 4, verse 42, and I'm going to read through 44. This is like right before Jesus calls these guys to follow him. So he is setting an example of how to follow the sacred pathways. This crowd, they try to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus demonstrates that the first step we take in walking away from a life that is consumed with consuming is emptying ourselves. Jesus came to pour himself out completely. And as you read through the Gospels, you go through the story, that the eyewitness account of Luke. You go back and you read the, the Gospel according to the eyewitness account of Matthew and Mark, and then you get to Luke, and then you keep reading in John. What you notice is Jesus, this God-man who totally exhausts himself, gives himself, wears himself out, and empties himself completely to the point where he is worn out and needs to pull away just so he can catch a little bit of sleep. And when he wakes up, the first thing he finds is a whole crowd of people saying, what are you doing, Jesus? Why did you run off from us? We need your help. Here's your takeaway. There's a sacred pathway of living a life that's not about what you want, but about what God wants. This is the sacred pathway of emptying yourself in pursuit of God's purposes. I I hear people who go like, I I need to find balance in my life. You know, I I wanna balance you know, serving God and serving my family and I need to find some balance and how much time should I put into work and how much time should I put into play and how much time should I do this? Here's what I see in the life of Jesus. I don't see a lot of balance. I see a lot of emptying. Jesus gave himself completely to the purposes of God. It was not a life lived about by the thinking of what can I get or how can I get something out of this situation. It was a life lived in pursuit of what is God the Father instructing me to do today and how can I empty myself completely in pursuit of that purpose. It is not a life motivated by my desires, but a life motivated by God's desires. And that translates to these guys. Right, the followers of Jesus. Jesus, um, he, he, he gives them, he tells them to go fishing. They have this incredible catch. And then he says, now leave it all behind. Come and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. What was the point of that? Jesus said, I'm going to take you from working so that you can feed your mouth to I want you to work and exhaust yourself so that you can serve God by serving others. You're going to love God by loving others. And this is going to cost you everything. I want to be very clear. There is a cost to your calling. 
There is a price to pursuing the purposes of God. At some point, he will ask you to lay aside your fishing business, to walk away from the nets, to leave your coworkers, and begin to walk a journey of pursuing the purposes of God. And some of you will begin to calculate the cost. You go, man, that is expensive. Yes, emptying yourself of yourself and then pursuing God's purposes, which is exhausting, will leave you worn out. Jim Elliott, a missionary who was um, martyred in his effort to reach a, a specific Indian tribe, in his journal he wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you exhaust yourself and you empty yourself you might be thinking, man, I mean, what do I have? I mean, what, am I, what, am, what, what is in this for me? But that, only, that kind of thinking only works when you're thinking through the lens of a consumer. But if you realize that this life is a thin space, that this life is not all there is, that your paycheck is coming in eternity, your reward is in the afterlife, that this life is not all there is, then you willingly dive in like Jesus to the pursuing the sacred pathway of emptying yourself in God's purposes. Give it all you've got. I, I don't know. I'm saying I don't necessarily think we should be spending our time trying to figure out how to balance our life as much as maybe spending more time figuring out how we can empty our life. In fact, I would challenge you. Too many of us come into faith looking at how we can get something from God, and I would challenge you that you've probably got enough from God, and it's time for you to start giving something of God to others. Go into worship, not thinking, what can I get out of this, but what can I give in this moment? Make worship more about God and what you can give to God, not what you can give from God. You, you see there's a complete difference in perspective. When I live my life in the sacred pathway of pursuing the purposes of God and understanding that my mission is to empty myself, then I don't wake up every day saying, how can I get more? What can I get from this? What can I buy? What, how can I shop? No, spend my life emptying myself of myself. Now, here's what'll happen. You realize that when you go to bed tonight, if you're emptied, you better figure out how to get something more. You, you gotta get filled up in order to empty yourself. So that leads us to the second powerful principle, which is not only do we empty ourselves in pursuing God's purposes, but then there's a refilling. We must walk the sacred pathways of God's presence. You are refilled, your cup filled in the presence of God. You, you see this in the life of Jesus. What happened was Jesus had worn himself out. He had given, given, given. He had emptied himself. And, and, and then this, you see this verse. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 42. At daybreak, meaning very early in the morning, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. And then he said to them, I must be about preaching the kingdom of God and I must go exactly what God, I must do exactly what God's called me to do. Which means Jesus was uh, laser focused, not on what he could do, but what he must do. There'll be a lot of opportunities for you. 
even good things that you can do for God. These people wanted Jesus to keep preaching to them. And Jesus said, I must be about my father's work, and I must go preaching to other towns and villages the kingdom of God. All right, so here's the thing. There's a lot of good things you can do, but you must be about what what God has called you to do. You must stay focused on what you must do, not what you can do. And And when you have emptied yourself in pursuing the specific purposes of God that he has for your life, you will find yourself emptied and exhausted, and then you could follow the example of Jesus where he got up early, he went off into solitude and rest in order to be refilled and renewed. Be very clear with you. Rest and renewal is reserved for those who empty themselves in the purposes of God. If you have not yet emptied yourself in pursuing the purposes of God, then don't bother coming in saying, I need to get filled by God. I need something more from God. No, you already have enough from God. Go empty yourself. Now, once you're emptied, come back and find that place of rest and renewal. That's what you see in the life of Jesus. He would empty himself and then get alone with God. Get along with the Father in prayer, in, in hearing the word of God, the word of the Father in his life, and then he would spend time alone with God. So there is this sacred pathway in pursuing God's presence. And, and I'm just gonna give, I'm gonna give you two uh, ways that you develop the sacred pathway of God's presence in your life. And the first is that you give devotion. That, that's what Jesus was doing. He was giving his devotion He was surrendering himself to God. But what's amazing is when you give devotion, God pours into you. His presence refills you and renews you. And all of us will use some basic patterns in that sacred pathway, a pattern of prayer. If you're emptied and you're exhausted and you're worn out and you're depleted, you're a single mom working two jobs trying to put table on the, uh, food on the table and you're getting a little bit of prayer time in and you're exhausting yourself, emptying yourself, being obedient to God's purposes and you need to be refilled, I would encourage you, get alone in that secret place of prayer. And when you pray, allow it to be a dialogue. God is not offended by your honesty. God is not offended by your uh, candor. Speak openly with God. Express your desires, but then also listen to his desires. Share your heart, but get a hold of the heart of God. Express what you want, but then listen to the will of God. Giving devotion to God. This is where worship comes in. Remember, worship is not about how I feel. Worship is not about what I do. Worship is anything I do that pleases God, that makes God smile. Worship is lifting up the name of God above every name. And then there's another part to this, though, and that is not only giving devotion, Jesus withdrawing, getting alone in prayer, hearing the word of God, and you, and you and I, we need to do that. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time reading and studying the word of God. Not so that we can get something out of it, but so that God can speak to us. In fact, I have learned we don't study the word. The word studies us. I rarely read the word of God. Mostly, it reads me. There's a second part, though. When I walk the sacred pathway of pursuing God's presence, And that is not only do I give devotion, but I gain direction. This is where I yield to God. Because remember, I'm not a consumer. I'm a follower of Christ. 
When I yield to God, I'm being tuned to listening to God and following him. Where is he directing today? And I, I have this little, uh, I had this moment when I was really unsure about a specific decision I needed to make. And I went out on a hike. And as I'm hiking, uh, I, I kind of veered off the trail, which unfortunately for me is a pretty typical thing that I do. Uh, I'm a little bit reckless and crazy when I go hiking. And uh, in an instant, I felt that just the voice, the spirit of God speaking to my heart saying, Patrick, that's what you're doing in this decision. You're veering off my course. You need to backtrack and you need to go the right way. And what I learned and what I appreciate in that moment was this. God speaks Patrick ease. He speaks my dialect. I want you to know something. When you're seeking direction, when you need wisdom from heaven, when you're, when you're in a place where you're not sure what to do, God speaks your language. He knows how to speak exactly what you need to hear. If you will slow down, if you will get along with God, if you will carve out time out of your busy schedule, we're all busy, to walk the sacred pathways every day, practicing the presence of God, you will discover that through his word, through his presence, through his spirit in you, through moments of worship and surrender, that God speaks your language. He speaks your dialect. He knows how to connect with your unique personality. He loves you. He knows you by name. He handcrafted you, and he knows your story. He knows you better than anyone else, and he wants to speak to you in the way that only God can. Our challenge, then, is we have to listen. So how are you listening and allowing God's presence to speak to your life and give you direction? So here's what I want you to do. Kind of two very practical application points that all begin with this central reality. That we can live our life in one of two directions. Consume with consuming or following Christ. And if we're following Christ, then we're following the sacred pathways of God's presence and God's purposes. Right now, there are some of you, like, the, like those early fishermen, who there's some things you need to let go of. You need to lay them down. For some of you right now, that, that's going to begin with you laying down your life and allowing God's spirit to come and forgive you of sin as you repent of your old way of living, you turning your life over to God and saying, God, I surrender my whole life to you. I yield my heart to you like this fisherman moment. And that's where you're at. And you're making a decision right now to say, God, I'm going to stop pursuing my interests and I'm going to start pursuing your interests. If that's where you're at right now, then I want your prayer moment to be one of complete surrender. Jesus, I believe in you, that you died, that you rose again, and you're gonna give me new life, and I surrender that to you. Others of you right now, God wants to speak to you, and there's some things you need to lay down. They're getting in the way of you pursuing God's purposes. They're getting in the way of you emptying yourself for God because you're so busy filling yourself up with what you want. And you need to allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to you and reveal to you the things that you need to let go of. Others of you, you need to begin to practice the presence of God, following the sacred pathways of connecting with God by giving devotion and gaining direction. So would you take a moment? We believe that this moment is a thin space. God is here. God is with us. His presence is not far away and distant. He has something specific that he wants to speak into every one of our hearts. If we would yield ourselves to God, if we would open our lives up and say, Holy Spirit, come, speak to us, speak in us, 
Empower us, fill us, renew us, direct us on purpose. Would you take a moment right now? Would you allow this to be your thin space moment? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.